This is more than therapy podcast. More than therapy. This is more than therapy. More than therapy podcast. This is more than therapy. More than therapy podcast. This is more than therapy podcast. Hello and welcome to another episode of More Than Therapy. Today we have Amy Stein, and she's going to talk to us today about from surviving to thriving. Amy's mission is to educate and empower others to be their own best healers by reconnecting with the innate intelligence of their body with Mother Nature, reminding themselves that they get to choose what is best for their body. Amy does this by teaching them how to reawaken to their intuition as true healing only occurs when we address the whole package, her approach is a mind, body, spirit one, which uses the power of the plants, mindfulness and breath to assist you in transforming into whom you are meant to be. Her coaching calls are called mind, body, spirit, breath sessions. Amy, welcome to More Than Therapy. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. And I'm excited to have you. Amy, 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 a lot of things in our lives bring us to the point where we are a helping agent. What led you to be the helping agent you are today? So my story is not unique right now, but it was a little unique when it happened 12 years ago. So I was a medical researcher at a university here in New York, and I was working with chronic pain patients, and I began to resemble the chronic pain patients. And I thought, hmm. This is kind of strange. But at that time, I didn't realize it was a lot of the symptoms that my body was giving me were symptoms my body had been giving me for years, stomach aches, migraines. And it just started to exasperate to the point where I was breaking bones. I was having muscle tears and I wasn't doing anything strenuous. I was just walking or doing yoga and like my body was essentially breaking down. And I didn't know what it was about and I was kind of in denial about it. And when I figured out what was going on at that point, the picture was not clear. So there was a, there was a lot of different symptoms going on. There was a lot of different things to take into account. And because I didn't fit into the boxes neatly, the doctors didn't know what to do with me. So their response was just to give me medication. And so when I had been working with my patients for four years and they were mostly geriatrics, I had been advocating for them because a lot of times geriatric population is a hidden population. People don't really see them or hear them or believe them. And I had that experience in my 20s and I was frightening because I thought this is exactly what my patients have been telling me about for years and I didn't believe them that this was real and it's happening to me and I'm in my 20s. So I was on this merry-go-round of going to different doctors and different specialists in, in New York and I don't live in a rural area. I live in an area where there's a lot of doctors, there's a lot of access, right? And I still was struggling to find somebody that could figure out what was going on. And it was really demoralizing. It was, it was frightening. And it reaffirmed, which I didn't realize at the time, a lot of childhood wounds of not being seen, not being heard, not being believed. And so that threw another whole layer onto it. So basically, I was diagnosed with multiple autoimmune diseases. None of the doctors agreed on what which ones they were. Everyone had a different approach, but every approach was medication. No one talked about trauma. No one talked about toxins. 
Nobody talked about mold. Uh, they, no one talked about EMF. Nobody talked about changing your diet or changing how you clean your house or products you put on your body. They just told me that I wasn't trying hard enough, that I wasn't doing the right things. Even though I was compliant, I was doing exactly what they said and I was getting sicker. So at, at the, the pinnacle of it, I was 85 pounds. I couldn't gain weight. I couldn't leave my house. I couldn't leave the bathroom. Uh, the migraine and vertigo were debilitating. I couldn't drive. So my mom had to drive me to all my appointments. She didn't know what to do because she knew I was listening to the doctors and she just saw me progressively getting worse. And I knew how to read medical journals and I knew how to do that from working and doing all of my research, but my brain wasn't functioning. And so we're taught in our society that the body is broken and you go to the doctor and they fix it and they weren't fixing it. So I, I just was mad at my body for breaking down. I just wanted to get back to, to normal, what normal was, but I really had never had normal. So even what I thought quote unquote normal was, is not healthy. I had migraines. I had GI issues. I had debilitating fatigue. I wanted to go to bed at eight o'clock at night as a you know, 20 year old, I would have to take a two hour, three hour nap in order to go out with my friends. And, you know, we all laughed about it and joked about it, but I had crazy anxiety. I needed to control every aspect of my life in order to feel safe. I didn't know what that was about either. I just thought, well, I'm in a high pressure career. I, you know, did accelerated programs in college. So I must just, this is how I have to deal with it to get through it. So there was never this aspect of, no one asked why it was happening. And I would ask, why is it happening? And nobody had answers. And it brought me back to working with my patients. And I was like, oh my God, these poor people. I would get, I would get discouraged with them if they weren't trying hard enough. And I would give them the exact same answer that the doctors gave me. And now I'm living it. I know that it's not true. I'm, I'm doing everything and then some. And I call it the, the type A tendency to heal, manic healing because you do all of the things, right? You're gonna try this protocol. You're gonna read this book. You're gonna take this supplement. You're gonna do whatever it takes to get better. And I was desperate to get better. I was desperate to get off the merry ground. I was desperate for someone to fix me. I was desperate for someone to label me in a way that was gonna get me better. And in that desperation, I didn't realize at the time I was giving away my power. I was giving away my power to people that were not invested in me did not really care after our session was over. And so then I switched about three or four years into my journey of, of suffering and not getting answers. I switched to an integrative doctor thinking that maybe this would be different. It wasn't any different. Like he didn't have any other explanations. It was combative. He was threatened by me saying, I'm going to go home and do my own research. It was a, it was a very combative, stressful relationship where I did not want to go to the doctor anymore. I was done. And so that point, I didn't know what to do because I thought none of the doctors are helping me. I'm getting worse. I, I have no other outlets. I don't know what else I can do right now. And it was scary. It was frightening because no one could help me and I didn't know what was wrong and I was doing all the things. So then something inside of me, the voice that I had silenced for so long, I began to listen to it a little bit. And it was said, you know, I had already changed my diet and it, 
it said, you know, you need to change other things now. I had already changed using chemicals in the house, even though the doctors told me I was crazy. Oh, the chemicals aren't doing anything. I'm like, really? Because I get a raging migraine when I use these chemicals. So I think there's something to it. So when I made the changes, things started to shift a little bit, but I still was really sick. What? Go ahead. What was your journey like? How did you put the pieces together? So it was a lot of different things. And, and I like to tell people that my journey is not unique in, in that there are a lot of people going through this right now, right? And it's autoimmune is a, is a hidden disease. It's a hidden epidemic because people look quote unquote well. But if I were to show you, I never, I didn't take pictures for 11 years because I looked like a skeleton and I'd had no life. I had black circles under my eyes. I mean, it was just, I looked like death and I felt like death. So I did avoided any, any pictures because I didn't want to see it. It was validation, right? Of what it looked like. So what happened was my grandma had passed away and I was really close to her. And my, my parents were going through some of her stuff and they found this book about using plants to heal. And my dad was like, do you want this book? We're, you know, we're trying to get rid of stuff. We're donating stuff. And I said, you know, I think I want that book. And he was like, okay, you know, we'll, we'll drop it off. And what was interesting is I had been listening to all these functional medicine summits, I guess for about a year. And I was trying to find a functional medicine doctor that was not in the city. That was not New York city. That was on long Island where I live. And it, there was really nobody. And so once I picked up this book and I started reading it, I thought I grow half of these things normally in my yard. I didn't realize they had all these benefits that they could do all these different things, right? So people don't understand that plant medicine has been used for thousands of years. Western medicine is only like 250 years old. So for years, indigenous people, Ayurveda, traditional Chinese medicine, that all use plants. They all address the root cause. So. I began to go into that route. And then it was like the universe kept sending me, the universe source, God kept sending me signals and would send me emails from these herbalists about trainings, free trainings. I did, I got books from the library because it's free, right? So anything I could do that was free, I did it. So I got books from the library, I listened to podcasts. I did free trainings just to learn when I was able to absorb. And I couldn't absorb all of it because, you know, my brain was not working at peak performance. I had a lot of brain fog and the migraines prevented me from doing it. And because I'm sensitive to EMFs, I, I don't really like to be on the computer a lot. So I got books and that's how I did it. And then I started to make my own formulas because it was cheaper. Right. And so I started growing the plants and the plants I didn't grow. I would I would source them locally if I could or from reputable organic sellers. And I started making my own tinctures. I started making my own infused oils that I would turn into bombs. And I made them for all the issues that I had, the symptoms I was experiencing. And they worked so much better than the pharmaceuticals. And I thought, why is nobody telling anybody about this? Why is nobody saying like the things that grow outside in your backyard are pretty much probably the things you should be eating. And I'm talking about the weeds because people think that Weeds need to be killed. They're growing there for a reason, and they're much more nutrient dense than anything you could cultivate. So they're more nutrient dense than the kale I grow from seed, than the spinach I grow from seed. So I started to then learn about foraging, what I could safely eat, because we didn't use we don't use chemicals in our property. So then I started to make and eat the weeds. 
And my husband was not crazy about it, so I didn't force it on him, but I did it myself and I just started doing it. And I found that they worked even better than the, the plants that I didn't grow. So it reaffir reaffirmed that whole growing local, eating local premise that I was already doing. And doing plant medicine for a few years, that then led me into energy medicine because I, again, was raised on science. You had to see it to believe it. And energy, you can't see, right? But everybody's energy. I'm energy, your energy, you know, the table I'm standing next to is energy, the floor, all of it is just energy. And it can't be destroyed or created, but you can change it. So I thought that's interesting. So if my body is energy, then I, I should be able to somehow manipulate it into doing something differently than it's doing now, right? And that's not really like a, it's not a manipulation because then it was my type A of like, oh, let me try to control this, right? That wasn't the best way to go about it. And it didn't work when I first did it. And when I started to change my outlook and someone had said to me, you know, I think you should just surrender all this stuff because it's just really stressful. And to me, it was really offensive because I thought, well, surrendering means to give up, it means to quit. And I'm not quitting, I'm fighting. I'm fighting all the time. And she's like, but isn't the fighting exhausting? And I said, it is exhausting because I'm fighting myself. I'm fighting the doctors and I'm fighting to get answers that I'm not getting. And she, th she said, well, what if you just stop fighting? What would that look like? How would that be? And that was like foreign to me. Like, what does that mean? I don't understand. What would I do if I'm not fighting for this? If I'm not fighting for my life? And she said, well, you would, you would trust that there was, there's a higher power that created you, that created the plants, that created everything that will assist you in your healing. And to me, that was completely foreign because I didn't grow up religious. I didn't grow up spiritual. So I was like, you know, I, I did yoga. I did all the things, but it wasn't from a spiritual aspect. It was a, more of a, to stay in shape kind of thing. Right. And so I thought, uh, okay, I'll try that. So when I shifted to really allowing things to just be the way that they are rather than trying to control them, I moved out of survival. I wasn't yet at thriving, but I moved out of survival and it felt like I wasn't fighting as much. I was still fighting in ways like I was still pushing myself more than I should because I would see that something was working. So then I would do it. Oh, let me do it more. But more is not always better. And, and that's the problem in a lot of these situations is people think, well, if I do this one thing and it worked, then I'll do the 55 other things and it will work. And it doesn't work like that. It, it's really more is less. And I didn't believe that until I lived it. And I think that's the problem with a lot of these unseen conditions is that people don't understand it until they live it. And so for me, when I got when I was better and then couldn't leave my house and was deathly ill, I lost a lot of friends. My family didn't understand. My in-laws didn't understand. I was very isolated and it was really hard. And so it made me have this mindset of, I have to do it all myself. I can't trust anybody else to do it. I have to do it all myself. And that did not help me. It actually made it harder because when I couldn't trust somebody to handle my care, if I couldn't trust somebody to do the things I needed, my healing did not accelerate. My healing kind of stayed stagnant or I would feel as if I was regressing. And that was really upsetting too, because I thought, oh my God, I did all these things and I, I got to see the light again. And now I'm just backpedaling what's going on. 
So we kind of say with autoimmune that it's it's a roller coaster ride because you have your ups and you have your lows and then you kind of can bottom out in the middle. And there are days that I still feel like I don't feel so great and I'm going to take it easy. I'm not going to really do much. And there are days that I feel like, oh, I'm turning the corner. This is working out well. And a lot of it is conditional on my inner thoughts and the mindset of it, because I don't know if most people know this, but like 80% of the thoughts that you have are negative and they're repetitive. So it's a constant battle with the monkey mind of like, am I, am I get sick again? Am I going to regress? Am I going to go back to that? Oh, I feel this. Is this because of that? Right. And to not escalate it, to just address it and say, okay, I, I see this, I feel it. And, and maybe this isn't what it is and I don't need to blow it out of proportion, right? And to not try to control it. And that was, I only started doing that probably the last two years. So it's it's kind of built in, in layers. So some people, their healing may be much more accelerated than my journey. My journey has been 12 years and it has been a rough 12 years, but there has been a lot of progress and a lot of lessons in it. And that's why I'm trying to impart the wisdom onto other people so they don't have to struggle the way that I struggled, right? And not to say that my journey is going to be their journey and that it's different for everybody because it is, but that there are some key insights that are not still talked about that I think are important to mention. All right, let's go to a commercial break and we'll be right back. I thrive. I thrive to be alive. I want to live a healthier lifestyle. I want to be healthier. I want to be around for my children to graduate, have children, and have their children have children. I want to be free from the disease of high blood pressure and diabetes. I thrive to be alive. I thrive to be What is the biggest lesson you've learned from your journey? That's a good one. I think the biggest lesson for me was letting go of the control and what it was supposed to look like and what I was supposed to do, right? Letting go of the expectations, the shoulds, the coulds, the woulds, the judgment around it. I think if I had done that a little bit earlier, I wouldn't have struggled as much, right? I wouldn't have been stuck in that dark place that was really scary for so long because I kept fighting what my body was trying to tell me because we're taught that the body is broken. It needs to be fixed and to quiet the symptoms, whether you're going to take a pill, whether you're going to distract yourself with an addictive behavior, you know, social media, drinking, drama, whatever that may be so that you don't have to feel the sensations that your body is sending you, whether that's feelings, whether that's physical sensations, we're taught to just quiet all of that, but it actually does us a disservice. And I think that if that was something that was taught to me, I mean, even in my own training, I didn't know that when I was teaching other people, when I was working with chronic pain patients, I didn't know any of that. And I think it does us a disservice in our society because we're taught to push through it. We're taught to just keep doing all the things. We're taught to put on a to smile and say everything's fine. And I think that in doing that, we ignore 
the needs that the body has. The body was designed to heal. The body has an innate intelligence just like mother nature. And if I had been aware of that and understood that, I don't know. Maybe things would have been different. Maybe they wouldn't have. Maybe I had to go through all this to, to be where I am today, right? I like to say that that's what the case is. But I feel like that's probably the biggest lesson that I got from it. Indeed, indeed, indeed. How do you live differently now than before you became ill? I mean, I know you added plants and mm -hmm. vegetation to the mix Ment mentally. How did you open your mind to change? So I got rid of a lot of people from my life that caused a lot of unnecessary drama that were not supportive, that were not meeting my needs. I speak up for myself now. This is the doctor that I've been seeing the past five years. We have a collaborative relationship. She's not threatened by saying, I'm gonna go home and do my research or that doesn't feel good for me. I'm not gonna do that. I think it's really important that especially when you are ill that you don't feel pressure to do things that don't feel good to you because your body's always talking to you and it has your intuition is in there and it, it has the knowledge right so things that are scary and uncomfortable is the fear it's the monkey mind of the brain but the the mind is just part of the body and the body has the innate intelligence and the wisdom and knows exactly what it is you need. So I live my life now listening more to the body than the mind. And not to say that I don't still listen to the mind. I do. And I get stuck in that. And then I go, oh, I'm in that loophole. <laughs> That's why I feel really chaotic. That's why I feel really stressed because I'm absorbing a lot of external noise or internal noise of negativity. And it definitely affects me again because everyone's just vibration right? It's just energy vibration. So there's positive and negative vibrations. And when I'm having a lot of negative thoughts and I'm in a chaotic space and a lot of dramatic people and a lot of negative stimulation, my vibration gets lowered. And then I become, my body starts to give me signs. And if I don't pay attention to those signs, it escalates. So I'm, I'm much more mindful now of the limits that my body has on certain days. And what is good for me and what isn't good for me and that and that's just not just eating that's it encompasses the whole picture of people places stimulus things you know it's different for everybody but that that's something that i'm really stick to let me ask you this i'm finding as i get older i'm, have, I'm less tolerant of eating certain kinds of meat um, certain types of meals, moving to a more plant-based diet. Um, and you may or may not know about this, but what type of vegetation plants are beneficial to us regarding our wellness and recovery? So I advocate for people just eating a lot of plants. I still tell people there's no individual approach. I still do eat meat, but I eat clean pasture-raised meat. I don't eat conventional meat. I haven't eaten conventional meat in probably eight years because it's filled with a lot of chemicals and pesticides. And people don't realize that what you eat, you're ingesting whatever that animal ate, right? So because you may be feeling it now, it's because your toxic load is at a level where your body's like, hey, dude, I can't do this anymore. There's too many toxins and what you're eating is not clean and I'm feeling it, right? That could be one situation. I just advocate for people to know, especially now with food shortages and the prices going up, 
if you don't spray chemicals on your property, get a local foraging book. Like you and I live on the Northeast. We have, I have a Northeast foraging book. See what grows in your own backyard. Start eating it because the things that grow in your own backyard, like I said earlier, are highly nutritious. They're more nutritious than the food that's trucked in across the country or from other countries. It's more nutritious than anything I could grow from seed because mother nature intends it to be there for a reason. And if we pay more attention to the signs and the way that mother nature responds, and we live more aligned in that way and respect her and her wisdom, I think a lot of things would shift in the way that we live our lives, right? If we, if we had more of that connection to earth, connection to the cycles. So you'll see just, I mean, I tell people the best way to see something is to watch a plant grow. So I grow all of my vegetables and medicinals from seed for the most part, because I can control a lot of the outcomes, right? I know exactly where the seed came from. I know where the soil came from and all of that. Does not mean that I won't have issues? I may, but I try to mitigate as much toxic exposure as I can. And we live in an extremely toxic world now. We're constantly bombarded by toxins. And that's, I mean, I'm constantly bombarded by toxins and I have air filters running and I don't use any toxins in my house or on my body. But your body was designed to only take a certain amount and it wasn't designed to handle the amount of toxins we have now. So I find that a lot of people that are experiencing issues with food is because they're not eating clean food or they just switched to eating clean food and their body's like, oh, thank you. But we still got to get rid of all the other crap that you ate for 30 years or certain foods can cause more inflammation. So nightshades, dairy, gluten, corn, soy, you know, the bad oils, all of that causes more inflammation in the body and inflammation is the start of disease. So that, I think that's a manageable amount to tell people without getting into it. <laughs> right. Because people, when they know what they know from what their doctors tell them or what WebMD tells them, you know, what society tells them regarding what to do, right. take this pill, take this pill, take this pill. Right. How do you assist people with opening their mind to be open to more energy healing or more natural healing? So I do baby steps, right? So not everybody is going to listen. And I, I say, you don't have to make all your stuff like I do. It, it's a full-time job. I'm not going to lie. But that's that was my choice. And I like to do it. But there are small ways that you can make changes. You could just grow your herbs, right, on a windowsill or a patio. Or if you just have a um, fire escape, like there are things that you can do to grow a small amount of food or to grow a small amount of medicinals. I mean, herbs have a lot of medicinal value. Be mindful of what you're ingesting food-wise, but also visually. So I don't watch anything violent. I don't watch the news. I limit social media a lot because it, it can be very negative. And I'm also mindful of what I absorb, right? So if I, a lot of the thoughts and beliefs that we have are ingrained before age seven. And it, when you're sick, all of that comes up. All of these, oh, this is what I should have done. I'm being punished. I didn't do this right. And this is why this is happening, right? It's all those, those thoughts and beliefs that may not be yours. So Bruce Lipton talks about this. And so does Joe Dispenza. That you can change those thoughts and beliefs. They're not permanent. You can change them. You can alter it. So I talk about that a lot in my sessions. I let people know that 
I understand where they're at. I see them. I hear them. I believe them. I know I can, I can empathize with what they're going through because I've been through my own journey, but I let them know that there are other options than the doctor is telling them, right? I never tell people to fire their doctor. I don't tell people to, you know, not take their medication. I let them know that there's other options they can explore. I let them know that what may work for me may not work for them, but that that doesn't mean that there's nothing out there. That what you see mainstream, there's a whole plethora of other information that you can find through books, through trusted speakers and herbalists and uh, podcasts that give you additional information. And then you go into your own research, right? You can go on PubMed, you can read a book, you can see what feels right. I, I advocate more for that now. So I was, you know, obviously being a researcher, I was very into the research and like, oh, show me the article, show me the science. I've switched in the last year or so to more of what feels good to you. Does this feel aligned? Does this feel like something you want to do? Because if you don't want to do it, you're not going to do it. So if I tell someone to go home and throw out all of their cleaning products, throw out all of their beauty products, throw out all of their food, they're not going to do it because it's expensive and it's too much of a change. So I do kind of like baby steps. What seems manageable? What's your what's your most pressing issue? And then I try to kind of dig down from there. I always incorporate breath into my sessions because I feel that breath is a game changer. I say it's magic. All energy medicine is magic, right? Because you can't see it, but it just magically works. So I always incorporate breath because when we do the breath, it's a great, free, easy, quick way to reconnect to the body. So that's always an, an aspect that I concentrate on because we don't intentionally breathe. So we've all been breathing since we were born, but a lot of times we hold our breath or we breathe shallowly because we don't want to experience the sensations, the pain, the struggles, the negative feelings. So we think unconsciously, if we hold our breath, we won't feel it, but you're just starving your body of oxygen. So a lot of times after my sessions, people will be like, oh my God, I... I feel so relaxed because you took deep breaths for a half hour or because you were in your body and your body was able to release some trauma or release some negative emotions that had been stuck there that might have caused disease or illness. So when you can find a way to get back into your body and, and understand the messages from your body, a lot of this will fall into place in a way that will work best for you as an individual. I love what you said about breath work because I tell, I mean, I found this out later in life and I tell my clients this all the time. We don't breathe appropriately. And when we breathe appropriately, we open ourselves more to our own wellness and recovery. I too struggle with, you know, breathing appropriately. I have to have a conscious effort mm -hmm. of deep breathing in order to center myself and ground myself, which is rare because oftentimes you just... Just taking a little short breaths, not really getting the fullness. But when you breathe, breathe deep and breathe deep into your belly and your belly's like, bloop, 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 bloop. I need to lose weight. <laughs> then, I, know, yeah. it, I mean, it, like you said, it opens you up, but it, it it connects you to your intuition. I find that your intuition gets stronger, right? And then the messages from the body don't sound like they're in another language. Yeah. Then you'll say, oh, maybe I'll stop eating this because it didn't feel good when I ate it. 
Right. Or maybe I'll stop going here because I didn't have a great time. Or maybe I'll stop talking to this person because they're not supportive in the way I need. Right. Like whatever that may be, it can be so many different things for so many different people. Like mm-hmm. I said, there's, there's not a one, you know, medicine wants to tell you there's one approach for everything. Right. right? And that's right. not true. There's all gray. There's no one approach. And you can take a little bit of this that works and a little bit of that. And you, you make it your own unique system, which is exactly what I did. I, you know, I just took a little bit of this and a little bit of that, and a little bit of this. And I was like, oh, this doesn't work anymore. Let me change this out. I'll bring this in. And because I had been doing breath work for years in yoga practice and Kundalini, which is a different type of yoga. And I didn't have anything I have now with my daily breath practice because I was using it as a way to escape from my body. And my body knew and it was like, well, we're not going to get online if you're going to escape from your body. Because the point of doing breath work is to be in the body, to allow the body's innate intelligence to take over, to quiet the mind, to ground, to connect, to release what no longer serves you, to connect to your higher power, to open up to the possibilities of what can exist, to allow you to feel the bliss that is always available. We just have to be receptive to, to receiving. Right. And in our society, we're not taught to receive. We're taught to give, 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 and not take anything for ourselves. Self-care is selfish. And it's not because if you don't resource yourself, you can't take care of anybody else. So if I'm not resourced, I can't do these interviews. I can't do sessions and hold safe spaces for people to do their own healing. I can't heal myself if I'm not resourced. So the best thing that you can do is do things that feel good for you but that are not distracting and taking you out of your body, right? So I wouldn't advocate binging Netflix for five hours. I don't say you can't do it because I do it occasionally, but it's not something that I consistently do. It's something that if I want to watch something uplifting and funny, okay, I'm going to put on Netflix or Hulu or whatever, right? But I don't consistently do that as a distraction or an escape. If I do do it for that, I recognize this is what I'm doing. I'm choosing to escape from my life right now. And I'm recognizing that and I'm, I'm not bypassing it. I'm recognizing this is happening. This is what I need because I don't want to deal with the world right now. So I'm going to do that. I'm going to choose to do that. But I know that when I do my breath later or the next day, I need to come back to why I did that. What was I trying to avoid? Right? So I think that's what's so in- intelligent about breath work is you don't need to name the stuff. So there's a lot of type of therapy that's recommended for people with trauma. And a lot of it can be re-traumatizing because you just keep retelling the story. And not that there's not a place for talk therapy. I believe that there is. However, breath work is, a, I think, is for everybody. Because if you can't meditate, breath work is for you. If you have trauma and don't want to talk about it, breath work is for you. If you have addiction and if you're struggling, breath work is for you. And the reason it is is because the breath is an innate intelligence. It was designed to assist you. And if you can use it in the way that it was designed, it appears to be magic. It removes blockages. It removes stuck emotions. It removes and releases trauma. It allows you to be more grounded. It allows you to feel calmer. You feel more clear headed. You can use it to energize. You can use it to relax. You can use it to, that's why teacher says, 
to, to talk to spirit, to talk to the angels, to talk to aliens, like whatever, you know, whatever you want to do with it. You can have these experiences with breath without taking anything that's going to alter your mind. It's just your breath and it's always available. It's free. You always have it, right? So I can suggest like some things that people can do if they, they aren't aware of it, but there's box breathing. So you inhale for a count of four through your nose. You hold that for four and you exhale out of your mouth for four. And when you exhale, you can make an audible noise. You can sigh, you can groan, you can hiss, you could blow it out. You can yell. I've been doing a lot of primal breath work this week with primal drawing because I feel like there's a lot of chaos and I need to get it out. You could also do the four, seven, eight. It can be activating. It can, it can feel a little uncomfortable. So that's an inhale for four box breathing. Yes. Uh, inhale for four, you hold for seven and you exhale for eight, but that's not something I recommend for people who have never done breath work before. I would recommend they start with the four, four, four first, the box breathing, or they could just do an inhale for four and a longer exhale. So you could exhale for six. You don't need to do a hold in between. Or you, if you like the holds where you inhale and then you hold the breath at the top, that can be energizing, but it can also feel a little chaotic, right? Or you can hold at the bottom so you breathe out and you hold the breath at the end. Out. And that's a bottom hold. And that can feel grounding. But it can also feel uncomfortable like you don't have enough air. So you play with it and every day is different. That's why it's called a practice, right? So we just play with it what feels good. You could also do, like I said, just three deep breaths. You just stop You're sitting on a red light. Don't close your eyes because the light might change, right? But you just take three deep breaths. What comes up? What do you feel? How does this resonate in my body? Are there any messages? And rather than when the messages come up, so Dr. Kim Durama, who's a big energy medicine practitioner, I've been studying with her for about, I don't know, three or four years, maybe. She talks about when something comes up, we immediately judge it. We criticize it. We get negative about it. Like, oh, this again. And I'm guilty of that, right? Oh, I thought I, I thought I dealt with this. Why is this back? But rather than getting upset by it, you ask, what is right about this that I'm not getting? And it shifts it. It's just so dynamic. And it's like, oh, it's more of a helpful message for my body. And listen, maybe you don't get the message. And you're like, I don't, I still don't know what it is. You may have a dream that night. You may get a download when you're taking a shower. You may get a download when you're doing breath work. You may get a download when you're cutting vegetables for your salad. I mean, the more that you do breath work, the more you open yourself up to your intuition and you strengthen that. And that is your inner knowing. That is your innate intelligence. That is what we were designed with to be our guide, not to mind, right? It was, it was designed that way. And breathwork allows that to happen. Via your Facebook group, you educate about the mind, body, spirit connection, and you give people a free 10 minute consultation. That sounds like a great gift. Yes, I think you. you can get a lot done in 10 minutes. People think you need 30 minutes, 45 minutes to an hour yeah, to get work yeah. done. You really don't. You know what yeah. I'm saying? I think 10 minutes is a great gift. But tell people more about the consultation and what they can get regarding the mind, body, spirit connection. Yeah, so basically it, it's a quick 
catch up to see if we're a good fit and to see if there's things that I, I can suggest that you've not done before, right? Or to see if my approach is something that you resonate with, to see if you're ready to do the work because it does take some work, right? It's the idea is is simple, but it's not easy. And if it was easy, I would have been better, you know, after two years. <laughs> I don't know, it took me 12. So, and not to say that it's going to take you 12 either, right? It's different for everybody. But I think that it's really important to talk with somebody who's been through it and, and knows exactly what it's like and can affirm that they see you, they hear you, they believe you, and they get it. They get it. And they know that there is another side to it, right? So I'm no longer in survival. I'm on my way to thriving. And there are some days where I feel like oh, I'm not really thriving today. And that's okay, because that's life, right? It's never it's never rainbows and unicorns. There are some days that you may be pooping rainbows. And there are some days where you're like, I'm not feeling the rainbows at all. And that's that's okay. That's It's not to say that it's gonna be a band-aid that's gonna fix your life. I just think that if we can learn to respect the intelligence of the plants, and the intelligence that the body was designed with, that it makes the healing happen a lot easier than when we're fighting the body and saying it's broken. And I think a lot of people need this message now. And I, and I agree. What message would you tell someone who was going through something similar don't give up mm -hmm. i mean <laughs> don't give up as much as there are days and i had those days where i sat in my closet and i just cried and i was like i don't know what to do anymore i mean i had worked on a crisis hotline in college i knew all the things to say to people right i thought i knew all the things i thought i think sometimes it's hard when you have all you have too many skills because then you get upset, like, how come I can't fix myself, but I can fix all these other people? And that was a struggle for me in that even at my worst, I still wanted to help other people. So I would give them suggestions and they would get better. And I was like, why are they getting better? And I'm doing all these things and I'm not getting better. So it's really hard to compare yourself to other people because you don't really know someone's story. And especially with autoimmune, it is not a cut and dry thing. It is not black and white, it's gray. And chronic pain is not gonna be fixed by a pill. Pain is, is a signal from the body that there is something that needs to be addressed. There is something that's being ignored. There is something that is needs help. And there's nothing wrong with asking for help. So I, I shared before our call that I pulled a a card today, an Oracle card, and it's from Gabby Bernstein's deck. And it says, it's safe to ask for help because healing is not linear and you can't do it by yourself. And people want to support you. You just have to find the right people to sit at your table. And I think that's the hardest part is finding the right people to sit at your table that are there to support you and that you feel safe with, that they can help you, right? And that was the hardest part for me personally is trusting other people to help me, was trusting someone else to take the reins. And I only recently did that when I finished the trauma-informed breathwork training because I had done all the things on my own and I still wasn't where I wanted to be. I was still plateauing. And something told me to go and do this. And I got paired up with a mentor who had been through 
pretty much the exact same thing I had as a child. And I saw like she was thriving. She was successful. She she had dealt with her stuff and was no longer holding her back. And I was like, I want that. And I thought I had dealt with a lot of it. But because I never felt safe to have someone hold the space for me, I was not doing everything for my body's best interest. And so once I allowed that to happen, once I surrendered to it, once I gave it over and remembered that surrender is not a dirty word and that giving over does not mean giving up, my healing accelerated very quickly. And a lot of the things that I was contending with, even while doing the training, I no longer contend with because my body was like, okay, we're going to catch up to all the things you did in the mind, but now you're in the body, you're in you're in the vessel of healing, you're fully present, now it's going to sync up. And that was my personal experience. And I found it was a lot of people's experience in the program as well. And in people that have done this kind of work. So I, again, it's not talked about enough and it's been around for thousands of years and it's free. <laughs> you don't, you always have your breath. Indeed, indeed. Well, thank you, Amy Stein, for coming on the Morning Therapy podcast, where we talked about from surviving to thriving, the importance of breath work and emotional healing, the importance of using plants. Any final words you'd like to give the listening and watching audience? I think it's important to remember that you have all the answers. You just have to tap into that. Yeah, like, you, no, you do, you do. Because I, I mean, again, if someone would have told me that, I'd be like, what are you talking about? Like, that's crazy. But you know what feels right to you and you know what doesn't feel right. So Dr. Kim, again, I'm gonna reference her. She'll say like, this feels like a hell yes. This feels like a hell no. So you know, when somebody says something to you, like, oh, that's a hell yes for me. And something's like, a, no, that's a hell no to honor that. Right. So we we to stop living up to other people's idea of what we should be and do right to stop living up to the, the standards that someone else set for us to to change the beliefs that you were received at, by age seven. And, and so that you can live a life that feels good to you because you get to choose. You get to choose. Right. Take your power back. Indeed. Thank you, Thank you Amy. And that's another episode of the Morning Therapy Podcast. If you haven't already, please subscribe to the Morning Therapy Podcast via any way you push play to listen to your favorite podcast. Be well, be great. I thrive. I thrive to be alive. I want to live a healthier lifestyle. I want to be healthier. I want to be around for my children to graduate, have children, and have their children have children. I want to be free from the disease of high blood pressure and diabetes. I thrive to be alive. I thrive to be